So today we're kicking off a new series called Fight Club. It's about the kingdom of God in conflict. Christians are called to be masters of conflict. The world, God's world is invading this one, and even though this is, a, this is good news for everyone in this room, there will be the clash of kingdoms. Sometimes people enter into conflict, and sometimes powers and principalities conflict with our prayers. And sometimes God's way of seeing us conflicts with how we see ourselves. We are not to avoid or ignore these battles. We're here to train ourselves to navigate them properly. We're making the church into a fight club, so to speak. Our battles not against flesh and blood, so nobody here is allowed to punch anyone else today. But we're focusing on the practical work of making our community better at working through these kinds of conflict. If you're a Christian, you are going to face battles. It's just a question of whether or not you're prepared for them. I want to be very, very um, upfront, and that is, I really see that there is a battle raging around us, and the church doesn't even know it exists. I think we've come to the point in society where life seems to take us in many different directions, and what is promoted first is where I am. And we make sacrifices so that we ourselves can move ahead in life. But sometimes, I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is sacrifice is a way of life. Whether you think you're sacrificing or not, you, by making priorities of where you want to go in life, you have to make sacrifices to get there. And in sometimes in the church, we we think we are sacrificing, but I think sometimes we sacrifice the wrong things. I think there's coming a point in time, and I'm, maybe this is a propheticness. Sometimes my, I get so thinking about how things are in a broader sense. I make generalizations, but... I sometimes think I need to record these moments because I can see in the near future that if the church doesn't hold on to the church, we will lose the very essence of how to understand and walk through conflict and build intimacy. Why do I say that? It's because when the focus of life is upon you and about where you need to go, sometimes you'll sacrifice the wrong things in order to get there. And the very things we sometimes are our strength, we take for granted, and we think they'll always be there. 
And there seems to be a lot of upheaval. 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 That sounds like... (laughs) There's a lot of upheaval in our lives where we are gravitating to understand what is necessary and what is right. And sometimes by essence of what we are walking through, we have created these glasses that look at life in a certain way. If the church knew how to fight correctly, we would be the most loving community in the entire nation and world. But we are so easy to cut things off in order to get somewhere that we forget that what we actually need is what, we, is what will get us there. You see, I'll just take it in the world of politics. Is if you, a politician, cannot get anywhere without the people. They can try. But that's who they represent, especially in democracy. An owner of business can have the greatest business they can, but without meeting a niche of where people are at. What about the church? The church is all about people. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verses 11 and to 16, it says, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you'd made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in inapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Before we get into a more practical overview of navigating conflict, I want to unpack the text for us and draw our attention to the instruction that Paul is giving to Timothy. And he is giving it to us as well. Now, Tim, this is the end, and a lot of people, a lot of Christendom uh, uses Timothy, First and Second Timothy, Titus, have been considered the pastoral epistles. Um, just that's just information Um, some people now call this more apostolic epistles but whatever you want to call it it is um, Paul's instruction to Timothy and because he was the minister he was entrusting Timothy to to minister for God in this particular area in Ephesus I believe Um, we are all called to be ministers So it is imperative that we understand that this is not just an instruction for him, but it can be instruction for us. 
Um, I want to just highlight the first part. Um, I missed the first lines, but as for you, man of God, run away from all these things. He's, instru he's instructing, they went through a thing of riches and godliness, and, and he's instructing. So sometimes as a Christian, we have to understand that there is things that we set aside, and there are things that we pursue. Just like we talked about the priorities. There are things in your life that you, in this case, he's telling us we have to set aside for the greater good, and we have to be intentional with other things. And especially in this life, in this uh, world in which we live in, we have to be very understanding that the battle is something that is not just out there and we can choose to engage it or not to engage it. It is already taking place and you're engaging it whether you like it or not. The understanding of whether you can survive and, and not be a casualty in the, in the battle is choosing whether what to let go and what to be intentional with. It's a good thing if you read that Raising uh, Giant Killers. Um, that was part and parcel of that chapter 14 is you have to be intentional with your kids in giving them things that they need to have in order to understand the concept of relationship with God. So, how can we draw a new perspective on what it means to follow Christ through conflict? Number one, it's going to be a fight to keep the faith. In our modern rational thinking, it makes, uh, it makes faith into a state of being. We must, we, mu we want to believe and be assured by our beliefs, and then we don't want to have to think too much about them. Most Christians, when asked, do you believe in Jesus, will immediately answer, yes, I do. But what are they believing about him? Faith is less a state of being and more of an inspired conviction that guides our present lives. It's easy to claim to believe in Jesus until life gets difficult, and then we finally have, and then we finally have something to believe him about. And it's difficult. It's even more difficult to believe when this world is in conflict with God's reality. We choose to believe in love and covenant even though there's so many marriages that end in divorce. We believe in healing even though people in our world get sick and even died from, die from their illnesses. And we believe in God. We believe God is eternally and unquestionably good even though we sometimes witness unbearable tragedies. We believe God is reconciling all things to himself, even though we often are in conflict with each other and other people. Sometimes it's hard to believe God is going to provide for our finances. Sometimes it's even hard to believe God is going to keep your family safe. Sometimes it's hard to believe that loving people sacrificially is worth it in the end. This is your fight. And you are the only one who can fight it. Through your testimony, as you fight to trust in God's nature over 
uh, and his voice, you will see his reality established in our reality. It takes time, and it isn't easy. It's going to cost us everything, but it's the only way we can find worth in living. No one else can fight to embody this kind of faith. You are Christ's representative to, to your relationship. Choosing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness is a matter of trusting him. So is how you prove your faith. It's how you prove that your faith is full. Your journey of faith will become more reasonable when you realize this. The choice to trust God is the choice to stay in the ring. The choice to trust God is the choice to stay in the ring. Even when life around you is saying the opposite. You'll experience resistance and contradiction. But faith is the energizing power of God towards those who believe. You were born to fight. You were born to fight this fight. The conflict you have at work, the fight to make your marriage stronger, the disagreement you had with your neighbor, the challenge you're having to discipline your child is how your faith becomes real. It's how Christ is formed within you. Number two, experiencing eternal life is not accident. You have to hold on to it. It's not something that just, oh, yeah, I, I, got, the, I got the insurance policy right here. I said the prayer. Like faith, we're notorious for making eternal life into something that it isn't. Eternal life is not just a destination. It's a way of living in the present. Have you ever had a wonderful day? Have you ever noticed yourself feeling fully alive? Have you ever laughed so hard you thought, this is what life is supposed to be? Everybody had a good expense at my failure to lead a song this morning. You see, we need to understand that Jesus promises that this is always available to us. It's not by accident. The wellspring of life is within you. You have to protect it. Difficult moments will steal your joy. Selfish people might take advantage of your kindness. Hardships will make you question what you really believe. All of these moments are scooping dirt into your well. How are you going to hold on to life that was given to you? Someone said once, the person who stole your parking spot is already miserable. Why do you have to join them? Oh, 
I wish I knew that before, right? <laughs> or it was on, it's on the mirror, the rearview mirror, so you can remember that when you're in Costco and someone, uh, just the other day, you know, I'm waiting there and I, this guy leaves it's two spaces from the front door and I'm ready, like, it's mine. And all of a sudden he pulls out and he drives away and there's another guy behind him with his signal on for my space. It would have been nice to have that at that time. <laughs> now, you're going to think I was the Christian person and let the other person have the space. And no. <laughs> it was too close to the door. <laughs> See, your frustration, your disappointment, your fear are real emotions. But if you process them and let the Holy Spirit minister to you, you don't have to stay in them. Many people fight to maintain their expectations and let their joy fly away on them. What if you fought to keep your joy and hope and let your expectations go instead? Think about it. Some of the conflict that we face on the inside is the expectations that are left unfulfilled and they become the, the place that feeds an inner conflict that doesn't necessarily have to be there if the expectations were let go. Number three, our faith is built upon what Jesus confessed to Pilate. What did Jesus say to Pilate? It must be pretty important if our faith is built upon it. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse 3, it says, So Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, It is as you say. So our first claim is this, Jesus is Lord, you will fight a much better battle if you know that he wins. It's hard because when, it's a, when it is a relational one or when, it's when you feel that you've been hurt, it's hard to go, okay, the winner is Jesus. For example, let's say you're in a conflict and people are, stand, are slandering you and saying all kind of false things about you and you know you won't be able to recover your reputation. And you're tempted to fight fire with fire. You're tempted to get defensive and try to protect yourself. And maybe you react and start making heads roll. But you'll only make those choices because you think you have to look after yourself. You'll only fight dirty if you think you'll lose the battle. If you don't. But you choose gentleness and love and steadfast patience if you believe that Jesus gets to win in the end. 
By believing in his lordship, you can never be defeated. Submission to God's way of handling conflict will always cost you in the short term, but it comes with an eternal reward. So what else did Jesus say to Pilate? In John chapter 18, verse 36, it says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. From the, yes, from this world. This, his kingdom is not of this world. So we fight in otherworldly ways. Some people misrepresent Christ's love and kindness to mean that we are passive and wimpy towards evil and injustice. Nothing could be further from the truth. You get to fight, but you're only authorized to fight God's way. Thank you. Thank you, son. We can agree together. <laughs> Whatever two or three agree, it shall be established. So there we go. You get to fight, but you're authorized to fight God's way. Jesus doesn't manipulate. Jesus speaks the truth even when it costs him. Jesus doesn't threaten Jesus would rather suffer than cause suffering. And Jesus doesn't make demands. He respects other people's freedom. Now, let me be clear that in, when, I talk about, when we talk about violence in the sense of conflict, there is physical violence, and there can also be a violent structure of communication. And why there's a violent structure of communication is oftentimes it's when we get to that point where we have to fight dirty in order to survive or to win. And fighting dirty is those things that costs us relationship, that cost us connection. Violence is attempt to cause harm to another person. Jesus said that even though he is king, he does no harm to others, and his followers are just like he is. So there can be, when you're fighting, a violence that's non-physical, but it can be words that cause a separation of relationship. And ultimately in this series, we want to be able to give you the ability to get, to have that, uh, to have the tools in order to talk in ways that will bring about connection rather than separation. I, um, I'm trying to, uh, 
before I give you some um, before we give you some tools, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I've got some. Connor's gonna get. We might as well do that now. Uh, each and every time we get together and we talk about the Fight Club, we are going to do a practical exercise at the end. I think sometimes, as I've learned, uh, one for everyone, yes. Because what I've learned is, and you might think, well, this is really weird. Aren't we supposed to, you know... Uh, I think, I think churches sometimes, you can get a good sermon online, there's lots of sermons online, but sometimes it, when it comes to the practical aspect of putting what's been said into practice, this is what church does. Just like last week we had the question and answer time where questions were asked of, of the last sermon series, um, we're going to take time to be able to walk through some tools. So what I want in, I need, I need one myself, actually. Um, when we talk about conflict, there can be the, 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 the action that's taking place between two or many individuals, one or more individuals, or it can be something that's taking place inside of you. And sometimes what's taking place inside of us it reflects on what's taking place around us. Does that make sense? So, I don't know how many of you have ever gone to the dog pound. Okay, none of you have gone to the dog pound. Okay, when we were first we've looking for, you know... When our two Bichons died, um, sometimes we'd go to the dog pound and you'd see all those nice, lonely dogs. I never looked at the cats because cats, they taste like chicken. <laughs> that was a joke. For all you cat lovers, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just joking. It seems that cats love me more than I love them. I can go to someone's house and the cat, you know, finds me, finds me. I don't know what's the matter with that. <laughs> what to heal my unforgiveness? Okay, well, that's, that's one way to look at it. But you see, sometimes, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are, there are wound-based filters that we sometimes get in our lives that we have to realize and, un and come to an understanding that they're there. When you adopt a dog at a shelter, when you first try to pet it, it might wag, it might snarl, but depending on what kind of past experience that dog has, when it snarls, you know the dog has been hurt in the past, and he interprets a human hand reaching out to him as a threat. So sometimes we have wound-based filters in our lives that are just waiting to be pushed. They're the irritable ones, the offendable ones, and, our, and so our, we are primed for, pump, for, for conflict. 
Many times as I've done marriage counseling, it's the issues are not really the issues. It's the fact that there have been internal things that have been pumped and the buttons have been pushed over and over and over again. And so sometimes it's not just the issue, it's really the, the overall feeling in what's been taking place. And there are, are five elements of a conflict cycle. So, and they strike each other over and over again. So there are the rights. We live in a society where we all have rights and we are made aware of them. But in a conflict situation, our concern over our personal rights causes us to become self-centered. Our rights become like an entitlement. And a conflict begins when we feel that someone has stepped on our rights in some way. And so we view our rights as inalienable and we feel like they're almost sacred. So we go to great strengths to defend them. And they become a form of power over other people. Then there's the reactions. We, we, the second one is reactions. We sense our rights are, are being violated or their wound-based filters have detected something. But sometimes we experience an inner reaction of negative feelings and thoughts and impulses. Our past wounds may have amplified these feelings. Imagine carrying a glass of water very full uh, and you bumped in, you're bumped into what happens is when you feel jolted, there's a reaction. What are you doing? Right? N.T. Wright says it this way. When you're jolted, what spills out is whatever's filling you. <laughs> the third cycle is revenge. Revenge is desire to get back at the person and make them pay. Our fallen understanding of the idea of justice mistakenly thinks justice means making someone pay for wrongdoing. And since we feel that they have stepped on our rights and now we think we have the right to make them feel badly, this can end up badly. The fourth cycle is rumors. Rumors are, in a sense, another form of revenge, but they are also the phase, a phase of, con of conflict cycle. You see, sometimes in Christendom we feel that conflict has no place in a Christian's life, so instead we talk to someone else about the conflict. <laughs> Which doesn't deal with the conflict, it only creates more. And lastly, there's resentments. And these are what are left over from the previous four areas of conflict. It's a cesspool of negativity, grudges, unforgiveness. And so sometimes we have to realize that these are cycles that are taking place. If you're in conflict with your spouse, if you're in conflict with your, with your boss, if you're in conflict over and over again, you have to start looking at these cycles of conflict. Because these cycles are what's producing the conflict. What breeds separation and no resolve of conflict is the very things when we step from feeling to judgment and then we have nowhere else to go but to separate.
Church, if we knew how to build greater intimacy through conflict, we would be deposits of gold everywhere we go. That was a good place to say amen. Because as you begin to walk that out in front of others, it is the very thing that people will want to gravitate to so that they can experience it for themselves. Even in a secular workplace, they have learned that this is necessity. If you have a difficulty, it is in policy manuals, and I know, I, know, I know we have it at the city. When there is a problem, it is no longer, well, I'm going to go talk to my boss. You talk to the person. And if you can have success with that, you're going to continue to be going around the mountain one more time. And as a church, if, I, if we can deposit with you the tools to make conflict successful in your relationships where you are at, it breeds a, a flow of the Spirit that cannot be contained. It's a flow of the Holy Spirit and His love and the relationship dimension of what we're trying to create as a church, not just as a people that come to hear, but that keep people that are, in fact, living as Jesus lived. As I said at the beginning... Conflict is not something that we need to avoid. And believe me, when I say that, I'm saying it with trembling in my own, my own spirit. Because if you go through the Enneagram, nines don't like conflict. We avoid it like the plague. And some of you are nines, and you're going, this is really scary. Because I don't know how to tell people what I feel. <laughs> I don't know how to not... If I let people into my struggle and I get to the end, they're not going to like me. And believe me, we, we will be... We, this is a growing ability to learn the dynamic of how this works. And so each and every one of our sermons are going to be stopped with a practical exercise at the end. Because we desire not to just leave you with a warm fuzzy, but with a tool that you can go home and practice. Because some of this needs to happen at home. Your children need to see their mom and dad, or their mom, or just their dad, whatever, handle conflict properly. So that they, in fact, can handle conflict properly. And sometimes I think the reason why we have so many difficult situations in our world today is because we've become, in the midst of being, appearing to be social, we have become unsocial. We can have many friends on Instagram and Facebook, but how we handle conflict is really the, the crux of being a real friend. And you know what? You can leave here and not do any of these exercises. But as a pastor, 
I'm inviting you along the journey to create success in your homes. Because as it goes in your home, it goes in the church. As it goes in the church, it goes in society. And quite frankly, how we've done it up to now sometimes isn't working. I want to make all of you successful. Fight the good fight. Pursue the things that will make you successful in handling the conflict, Jesus, how he would do it.